Dr. Jess Cap, and this is Storybook Earth. Welcome to Storybook Earth, a podcast that fuses science and storytelling, two of my favorite things, to bring you vibrant tales of notable Earth features, phenomena, and places, and the geological processes that make them what they are. From the tiniest minerals in the oldest rocks on Earth, to the giant asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, from the strange and mysterious trenches of the ocean, to the romanticized top of Mount Everest, the stories in the chapters of Earth's long and beautiful history are all around us, just waiting to be told. In episode six, I talked about how the mineral zircon can be used as a chronometer or clock to tell us when a rock was born. In other words, when it cooled and solidified from magma. But it turns out that zircons also find their way into another type of rock, sedimentary rocks. And while they don't tell us the age at which the sedimentary rock formed, because they're already carrying the age of the igneous rock they came from, they can tell us a lot about where the sediments that make up the sedimentary rock came from, or what we call their provenance. Just like there are parent isotopes, like uranium, which changes into its daughter product, lead, there are also parent rocks, which are broken down into sediments that end up as new sedimentary rocks. Remember I mentioned that zircon is especially good at holding onto age information because it is strong and resistant to being broken down by weathering. This means that zircons that are liberated from igneous rocks by weathering can travel far distances and end up incorporated in sedimentary rocks where they still hold that age information from the original parent rock. We call these little travelers detrital zircons, and they tell us a completely different story about sedimentary rocks, several stories in some cases. The analysis and interpretation of detrital zircons is its own rich and complex branch of geochronology and has resulted in some big reveals, one of which comes from my own backyard, the Grand Canyon in northern Arizona. First, I need to wax poetic about the majesty of the Grand Canyon, if you'll indulge me for just a minute. I'm from upstate New York and never traveled to the Grand Canyon or anywhere in the Southwest as a kid. I knew it existed, but that was about it. It was hard to imagine what all the hubbub was about. A big hole in the ground? What's the appeal? But by the time I moved to Arizona, I was a geologist, and I had a bit more of an idea of the appeal. I mean, you don't have to be a geologist to know that it's one of the seven natural wonders of the world, and probably worth seeing. I knew I couldn't live mere hours away from it, especially as a geologist, and not go see it. It took me six years before I actually did it, but it was worth the wait. It is hard to describe the feeling I got the first time I peered into the Grand Canyon. Awe, wonder, an intense desire to hike down into it and be surrounded by the layers, the colors, the hugeness. It was emotional. It made me tear up. I was just so blown away by what this planet can do and the beauty it creates. It doesn't seem real at first, almost like you're looking at a huge painting you cannot be a part of, cannot touch, can only appreciate from a distance. It is gorgeous from a distance, but I highly recommend getting yourself on one of the trails 
that takes you down and down into its loveliness. And just feeling yourself on this earth, surrounded by this earth and all of her power and glory. My goodness, it is unreal. The rocks of the Grand Canyon are an amazing slice of geologic time that we can see because of the work of the Colorado River, cutting down into the layers over millions of years, exposing them for all the tourists and hikers and geologists of the world to enjoy. It is perhaps the only place on Earth where such a vast expanse of geologic time is available for us to study. A mile deep and 277 miles long, the canyon exposes a slice of Earth history from igneous and metamorphic rocks that are almost a billion and a half years old at its base to 250 million year old sedimentary rocks at the top. When you hike into the canyon, you are making your way through over a billion years of geologic history. That in itself is stunning, but here's another fun fact that will blow your mind. At the top of those igneous and metamorphic rocks, is a feature we call an unconformity, a contact that represents missing geologic time. Now the igneous rocks in the lower unit are about 1.4 billion years old, while the sedimentary rocks on top of that unit are about 540 million years old. So where did the stuff in between go? Where are the rocks that are younger than 1.4 billion years old, but older than 540 million years old? We call this the Great Unconformity because it represents almost a billion years of missing geologic chapters. So we have the old stuff at the bottom and younger stuff above, but a gap in between where presumably a lot of material was eroded, probably over hundreds of millions of years. That's unreal. Even if you don't make it all the way down to the level of the river, where the Vishnu Schist, as it is called, is cross-cut by igneous intrusions of 1.4 billion-year-old granite, you will still walk through 200 million years of geologic time as you pass over layer upon layer of sedimentary rocks that accumulated in various environments. Some were formed in shallow seas when Arizona was covered by an ocean. Others tell the tale of being wind-blown a part of an active sand dune system on the coast when sea level was a little lower. All of them, the sandstones, the limestones, the shales, formed during the Paleozoic era, the time of ancient life on Earth, before dinosaurs roamed and before mammals became king. If you can get to the overlook at Plateau Point, about six miles from the Bright Angel Trailhead, you'll be standing on the beginning of the Paleozoic era, a time we call the Cambrian Explosion, when life rapidly diversified, and ocean critters, because, well, that's all there were at the time, were for the first time having hard parts, shells, spines, and exoskeletons. They preserved well as fossils because of those hard parts. And if you make it to Plateau Point, you will be rewarded for all your hard work with the treat of standing upon the fossils that record the Cambrian explosion. It seems almost too good to be true when you think about it. And it's a great way to recharge your spirit before making the six-mile trek back to the top. Pretty much all uphill. You don't want to forget that part. 
So we have three to 4,000 feet thick sedimentary layers representing 200 million years of geologic time. Those sediments had to come from somewhere. The logical prediction would be that they were shed off nearby mountains of the American West, where they accumulated over time and eventually were exposed once the Colorado River came to be and started making its way across the landscape. It turns out that isn't the whole story. where I must now give credit to the incredibly inspirational geologist who led the study I am about to highlight, Dr. George Garrels at the University of Arizona. He and a team of his colleagues undertook a study of the detrital zircons of the Grand Canyon, focusing on the uranium-led geochronology of those zircons to determine what we call the provenance of the sedimentary rocks, where they came from. By analyzing hundreds of detrital zircons, the team was able to determine what rocks these little hitchhikers came from. The way they do this is to create age distribution plots for each sample they analyzed. An age distribution plot shows age on the x-axis and the number of grains that yield that age on the y-axis, so it ends up looking like a bunch of different peaks. The bigger the peak, the more grains in the sample that yielded that age. By creating age distribution plots for each sample, not only can you see the ages of the zircons that are in the sedimentary rocks, but you can compare those plots to the age distribution plots of other rocks around the country or world to try and find matches. If, for example, your detrital zircons show the same five age peaks as, say, a suite of granites nearby, it makes sense that those sediments were shed from those granites. The geologic area of northern Arizona, where the Grand Canyon sits, is called the Yavapai Province, and it is home to the ancestral Rocky Mountains, which might make sense as a source of sediment for the Grand Canyon sedimentary rocks. Analyses of granites from the Yavapai Province and the ancestral Rockies yield ages of around 1.4 to 1.8 billion years old. So someone studying the zircons in the Grand Canyon sedimentary rocks might be looking for ages in this range to tell them that those zircons came from those igneous rocks. In other words, those igneous rocks were their parent rocks before they ended up deposited as the Grand Canyon sediments. Now the middle part of Arizona is a different geological province called the Mazatzal and includes granites that are a little bit younger, 1.3 to 1 billion years old. Indeed, George and his team found a lot of zircons in the age range of 1.8 to 1.4 billion years old, as well as zircons in the age range 1.3 to 1 billion years old, particularly in the lowest sedimentary layers that sit on top of the Great Unconformity. Now this told them that there are absolutely sediments in the Grand Canyon that came from relatively close by in the Yavapai and Mazatzal provinces. What they didn't expect was what they found once they started analyzing rocks from about 400 meters above the Great Unconformity and higher. Those rocks contained zircons that had made their way quite a bit farther from their original 
igneous parent rocks before becoming part of the Grand Canyon sediments. Those rocks revealed age peaks at 1.03 to 1.19 billion years ago and 415 to 475 million years ago, ages that are not a match for the igneous rocks of the American West. Instead, these ages are distinctive because they match the ages of rocks found in the Appalachian Mountains of the eastern United States. Whoa! Zircons that have traveled across nearly the entire continent and ended up in sediments that now make up one of the most iconic features of the American West. Unbelievable! Some of the Grand Canyon strata contain zircons with age distributions that match both rocks of the ancestral Rockies and rocks of the Appalachians. Nonetheless, the Appalachian signature is there, telling us that these little zircons that were formed in magmas related to Appalachian tectonics were liberated by weathering processes and transported thousands of miles across the North American continent by rivers. What a twist. I really love this story and the elegant way geochronology was used to tell us more than just the original magmatic age of a zircon. While those zircon ages don't give us an exact age of formation of the sedimentary rocks, we can construct their ages based on age constraints, such as the sedimentary rocks must be younger than those zircons because they incorporated those zircons after they were already formed in an igneous rock. That, plus looking at fossils and geologic relationships, allows geologists to build a timeline of sedimentary layers. The Grand Canyon is a perfect example of these techniques being put to work to elucidate the billions of years of geologic history revealed by the steady work of the Colorado River as it carved out this marvel of the natural world. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please consider subscribing, liking, writing a review, and sharing this with a friend or two. Thanks to our listeners and supporters. Special thanks to Michaela Moore for music, sound editing, and design, and to Pierce Ware for the artwork. The Geology Podcast Network is sponsored by Traveling Geologist. Music